This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. This is Sci-Fi Talk Weekly for February 21st, 2024, my episode 87. I look around the internet for news on sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics. Here are today's headlines. Early Doom 2 Reviews Outlander Blood of My Blood Casting Two new Dracula films. Stranger Things is filming. My thoughts on the Fantastic Four casting, and I have more lists. This and much more in just a moment for Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, Episode 87. Deadline reports that critics are in love with Dune 2. Here are some comments. Film Speaks Griffin Schiller writes, Dune Part 2 is not only Denis Villeneuve's magnum opus, it's the definitive sci-fi epic of a generation, a tragic tale of blind fanaticism and corruption, a spectacular, soulful, awe-inspiring masterclass of aesthetics and mood, beautifully echoing Paul's turbulent journey. Left me speechless. The playlist Gregory Elwood. Dune Part 2 is damn impressive. Villeneuve crafts some truly visionary moments. Austin Butler gives a truly transformative performance, and not talking makeup either. A very moving ending. A wee bit long? Yes. Did I forget I saw it the next day? Yes. But still gonna be massive. Entertainment reporter Germaine Lucier. Denis Villeneuve sticks the landing with Doom Part 2. A fascinating, terrifying character study told on a gloriously grand sci-fi scale. Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya are incredible in it, and the set pieces are jaw-dropping, and the supporting cast elevates all the rest. It's great. More of those glowing reviews at Deadline. And Deadline also reports that Defiance actor Tony Curran has been cast in Outlander Blood of My Blood. The series will have parallel love stories set in two different time periods, focusing on Jamie and Claire's parents. Matthew B. Roberts will run the series. Curran is also playing King James I in Mary and George. More at Deadline. Abigail Thorne's new Dracula film, Dracula's Ex-Girlfriend, has cast Morgana Ignis and Brandon Rogers. Variety describes it as Jennifer's body meets euphoria. Here is the official description. Two former rivals who share the same toxic ex-Count Dracula reconnect over dinner and drinks, but one is more healed and moved on than the other. We see how the toxic relationship with Dracula has impacted them both so differently. One is still compulsively running through men and can't kick the habit of drinking their blood, and the other is working through her trauma, and we see how much it impacts her current relationships. And there's more Dracula news from Variety on a new film helmed by Luc Besson. Christoph Waltz is a talks star, and also in the cast is Caleb Landry-Jones. More on both at Variety. Linda Hamilton says the last season of Stranger Things will take a whole year to film, according to Business Insider. Production is now underway, but the finished product might not come until mid-2025. The actor said it's a year of shooting, so I couldn't be happier. Their season takes a year to shoot, 
which is just unheard of luxury of time. But the size of their day is also beyond any scale that we're used to. More at Business Insider. My thoughts on the fantastic forecast. The casting of Pedro Pascal as Reed Richards is a huge step in the right direction. His natural charm will only help these movies. He can be funny and serious. Joseph Quinn from Stranger Things is a rising star and will not flame out as Johnny Storm. Ebon Moss Bacharach impressed me in Andor and could bring that vibe to Ben Grimm. Vanessa Kirby has the Mission Impossible pedigree, which will serve her well. All in all, a much better cast than the original Fantastic Four, with apologies to Michael Chiklis. The first two movies had too much bickering and weak plots, although it did have the silver surface. This is definitely an upgrade. Ferrari looks at the film Another End by Piero Messina. Jessica Kiang writes, It's ironic that memory is a central theme of Pedro Messina's Berlin competition title Another End. When so many twists and turns are so directly lifted from other films, that it feels like you've seen them before, even watching it for the first time feels like a rewatching. But if that takes this eclectic, eclectic, that's a word, alliteration of a timeless theme of what grief, but love persevering, a rather edgeless experience, it's not a wholly unpleasant one, less designed to provoke than to soothe, perhaps the very familiarity of much of the movie is a virtue, letting us enjoy its sleek surface safe in the knowledge there's nothing much lurking in the depths to alarm us. Indeed, the story's central theme, Alarming Incident, has happened sometime before the film even begins. A car crash for Sal, Guillermo Garcia Bernal, believes he was responsible and in which his wife has died. Unable to cope with his guilt and grief, Sal resorts to playing her memories, a tech which his near-future society has perfected and even attempts suicide. His sister, Ibi, Bernice Bejo, who is suspiciously tireless in her efforts to comfort him, encourages him to use the services of the company she works for, another end. More at Variety. Looper answers the Star Wars question, what is a moth? According to the article, the title of moth was a political rank given up to governors within the Galactic Empire who handled their own space sector. After five years of Palpatine's successful reign and keeping the rebel scum at bay, he had 20 moths running around the galaxy. Tarkin was Grand Moff, which makes him regional manager of the Galactic Empire. More at Luke. The UBJ reports the latest Salem's Lot release is in limbo. Stephen King tweeted, or X'd, I've seen the new Salem's Lot and it's quite good. Old-fashioned school horror filmmaking. Slow build. Big payoff. Not sure why WB is holding it back. It's not embarrassing or anything. I just write the damn things. Warner Brothers confirmed there is no decision on the film has been made to either show it on Max or theatrical. More at the UBJ. Deadline reports that ghosts have moved on from the series Ghost. But the season three jumped right into the ghostly disappearances head on. Showrunners Joe Port and Joe Wiseman commented on the spectral vanishings. Joe Port revealed 
toward the end of the season last year, we just came up with that idea and thought it would be a really cool, fun way to end the season as a throw forward to next year. Joe Wiseman added, we had a lot of talks about after we got picked up. Before the room started, we didn't know exactly who it was going to be, but we definitely had some candidates in mind. And then just talking it out, we wanted to be someone who was consequential, someone that was impactful. We landed on Flower, who we thought would be an interesting ghost to disappear, because it would create a lot of storylines. A lot of people would have had different reactions. Thor, obviously, is in love with Flower and would be super devastated. Other ghosts would be jealous of her because hasn't been there as long. More at Deadline. Deadline reports that the showrunners addressed the Quantum Leap Season 2 finale on Tuesday. And what about Season 3? Co-showrunners Martin Garrow and Dean Gregorius talk about how long they've been planning that happens in the Season 2 finale, and along with why it's important to feature a massive butterfly effect. Interesting, we actually didn't craft it to be a series finale. The fact that Ben, Raymond Lee, and Addison, Caitlin Bassett, are in the same physical space can feel like a completion of sorts, of the first part of their journey. But what we wanted to do for Season 2 was to tell a really emotional story, with this incredible cast that we had. And in the way we did that was to split Ben and Addison up emotionally, to break them up. When we got the early renewal for Season 2, we knew we were not going to end it on a cliffhanger. That's from co-showrunner Dean Gregorius. More at Deadline. There is more of Sci-Fi Talk Weekly, episode 87 for February 21st, 2024, in a moment. Invasion on Apple TV Plus has been renewed for Season 3. According to Deadline, Simon Kinsberg and also David Wilde's series will go into production later this month. Kinberg relates, This new season will continue to build on the scale, stakes, and propulsion of Invasion while keeping our characters front and center, bringing them together in ways that will hopefully surprise and most importantly move our audience, who have been so incredibly supportive and inspiring since day one. More at Deadline. The Hollywood Reporter reviews Constellation. Yet, as Constellation goes on, Angie Han writes, its scope begins to shrink rather than expand. The series never lets go of its faintly bonkers vibe, but it increasingly lays its emotional stakes on Joe's personal journey. In theory, it's not a bad idea. Strip away the high-concept bells and whistles, and Joe's difficulties with her family are rooted in a more grounded guilt of a parent who's been away from her child only to discover they are no longer on the same wavelength. Take the sci-fi intrigue out of the equation, and Joe's professional struggle becomes the familiar story of a woman who's condemned as crazy for ex exposing truths that others cannot bring themselves to admit or believe. More at The Hollywood Reporter. As M News reports that writing Silk, Spider-Man Society about a Korean superhero is on hold. Showrunners Angela Kang, Phil Lord, and Christopher Miller will continue to work on it. Rumor has it it's being retooled for a male audience. Amazon Prime, which will run it, will not confirm. 
The Dungeons & Dragons TV show got good news for the Paramount Plus series. Screen Rant makes a case that it is better suited as a series rather than a movie. But Honor Among Thieves 2 could still happen. More news to follow. Superhero hypes Matt Morrison talks up why Jon Stewart's Green Lantern is the ultimate Green Lantern. He cites his leadership of the Dark Stars, a rival peacekeeping force of the Green Lanterns. In Green Lantern War Journal number 6, it follows the battle with the Radiant Dead. Stewart ponders turning himself into Green Will Light rather than creating constructs. More at Superhero Hype. Deadline reviews the new horror film Cuckoo. As chief villain, Dan Stevens has an appealing, quirky, ironic twist to his evil smile that encourages to think that all of this is a bit of a lark. Really? He finds a fine contrasting foil in Schaefer, who plays her sulky, teen-turned-avenging angel absolutely straight. It works because however absurd her situation, we see from her face that it's desperate. The legion of fans she has amassed as a star of Euphoria will thrill to see her fighting off this crazy blonde bird lady, Koenig and his henchmen, with a cast hobbling one hand and a flick knife in the other, covered in minor wounds herself as the body count rises. None of this is quite coherent. It might just be nonsense. Well, it is. But it's slated for release soon. And this by no means art house horror will, no doubt, sell a lot of popcorn. More at Deadline. There's an underrated Doctor Who episode, according to Collider, and it's called Flatline, written by Jamie Matheson, who also penned the same scene as Mummy on the Orient Express. The episode excelled in everything that Doctor Who can be. It's thrilling, fun, silly, and sometimes a little scary, too. It's a story that dabbles in concepts that seem kind of hardish, for a sci-fi show so loose in its approach to scientific concepts that it can be more science fantasy. It's a Monster of the Week based on classic physics debate about the possibility of existence of two-dimensional beings. But this one starred Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor and Jenna Coleman as Clara Oswald. What's interesting is that Companion takes center stage in this one, and Jenna Coleman is up for the task. This is a must-watch. Visit Collider as they make their case. Star Trek Strange New Worlds begins filming in Toronto, according to Collider. But the bad news is that the series may not return until 2025 due to extensive post-production. More at Collider. Bleeding Cool looks at Superman and Lois' season opener, with CW President Brad Schwartz saying it will be the biggest season yet. He mentioned that at the Television Critics Association Winter Press event. He says the first episode will make you cry. More in Bleeding Cool. Giant Freakin' Robot ranks the best Stargate SG-1 episodes. Here are a few. The Lost City Part 1, Season 7, Episode 21. This was supposed to be a movie, but instead became a two-parter. As Jack O'Neill uses the repository of the ancients' knowledge, it's seeking in a way to defend Earth against the forces of Anubis. And meanwhile, General Hammond is being replaced. And there's also Vice President Robert Kingsey, who wants to shut the whole Stargate program down. 2010, Season 4, Episode 16. 
This takes place in a near future 2010, in an alternate timeline, where the Stargate program is known to the public. In reality, this Earth is now allied with Ashian, who gave Earth with advanced tech and whose assistance is vital in getting rid of the Gualud on Earth. Samantha Carter discovers she is unable to bear a child when it's revealed she is part of a 91% drop in fertility on Earth, and it becomes clear that the Ashen are the reason why. Mobius Part 2, Season 8, Episode 20. This is the second half of a two-parter. Picks up the theft of a time jumper by the Jaffa and resulted in a reality where Stargate was never discovered and the Stargate program was never created, a situation that was resolved by a videotape of the SG-1 team and the discovery of a buried Stargate in Antarctica. This story picks up the episode with the team sent to Chulak to retrieve Tilk and take them to Egypt where they plan to recover that famous zero-point module. Unfortunately, they get captured leading to Tilk again becoming the first prime of Apothis. More at Giant Freakin' Roma. Screen Rant has 15 Doctor episodes in Star Trek Voyager. Here are a few. Heroes and Demons Voyager Season 1, Episode 12. It's the Doctor's first away mission, and he was sent onto the holodeck to investigate a mysterious energy reading that was causing Voyager's crew members to disappear. Heroes and demons foreshadowed the things a doctor would explore in his quest to be more human, including romance and choosing a name. The episode was first to show the doctor's true potential as a character, kicking off his wonderful arc on Voyager. Projections, Voyager Season 2, Episode 3. Interesting story about the nature of existence. Heroes and demons mainly displayed his comedic abilities Projections allowed the Doctor to show his dramatic side, grappling whether or not he was really a hologram after a feedback loop from the holodeck malfunction caused his program to degrade and the Doctor to actually think he was human. Projections also brought a connection to a wider Star Trek timeline in the form of a guest appearance by the ever-popular Reginald Barkley, played so well by Dwight Schultz, and also delivered a compelling storyline from beginning to end. Life Signs, Voyager Season 2, Episode 19. The Doctor's emerging humanity was in full display in Life Signs. He fell in love with a Vidian Doctor, Danara Pell, Susan Diol, while working to stop her worsening condition, the phage. The Doctor's ineptitude with romantic relationships was very charming and made for some fun moments. But the love grew between them and Denaro was genuinely true and packed with an emotional punch, especially when they had to part ways at the end of the episode. Stories of first love are universally relatable. God knows we've all been there. And Life Signs showed the Doctor's truly vulnerable side for the first time. There is more at Screen Rant. Screen Rant also has Resident Alien's 8th greatest cameo from Sci-Fi stars. This one was one of my favorites, Ancient Aliens de Giorgio Tsoulakis. He played himself, and that was fun. Michael Cassidy from Batman v Superman, he played Jimmy Olsen, who was stupidly killed off, 
Smallville, he played Julian Luther, and he played in this one Dr. Ethan Stone. Nicola Correa Damu, who was Queen Maeve's girlfriend in The Boys. She played a detective who helps the local sheriff, who may not want her help. And there is much more at Scream Red. And speaking of lists, Sci-Fi Talk Plus has new special features, including creating your own playlist from over a thousand episodes, and now featuring exclusive videos. And added bonuses are commercial-free, uncut, and even special programs like Rewind. The best part, it's free. Just click on the link in the show notes for that free lifetime access. But take note, this special offer will expire soon, so take advantage of it while we can. And that is episode 87 of Sci-Fi Talk Weekly. And that is for February 21st, 2024. This is Tony Tolado. We'll see you next week.